Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome to Monday's Football Social Daily. One week to go of the Premier League season and still so much to play for in the top flight. I can't remember a season where there was this much still on the line come the last week of it. There was nothing decided this weekend when everything could have been wrapped up. Those missed opportunities and glimmers of hope are discussed on yesterday's podcast with Fergal and the boys. Spin back in the feed to find our weekend review. But everything must be decided in the next seven days. Title winners, relegation candidates, Champions League football. So make sure you've hit subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss a second of the action this week. And of course, we won't be hanging up our boots over the summer either. We'll be here right the way through the summer with a load of podcasts keeping you informed in everything that's going on to do with the Premier League. Today, Arsenal could get a step closer to grabbing a top four spot. Tonight, they play Newcastle United in Monday Night Football. We'll get on to that game shortly. We're also going to be looking at some of the transfer gossip on the back pages of the papers with big moves for Paul Pogba, Mbappe and Luis Suarez all taking up column inches. And as it's Monday, we're going to be having a good old moan with Get In The Sea. Two expert whingers on today's podcast in the shape of Marley Anderson and Nar McCorn. How you doing, boys? Very well, thank you. Ready to moan. Ready to moan. <laughs> Everyone likes starting the week with a bit of a whinge. It's a good way to start a week. Are you all right, Marley? I'm good, yeah. The... Um... I don't need a specific day of the week to moan. I'll just do it all, all the days. Yeah. <laughs> if the day ends in Y, I will moan on that day. Marley uh, is so back, fresh off the back of a little break. He went to Turin for the Eurovision Song Contest, <laughs> which is crazy, and spent <laughs> spent it sitting in an Irish pub, <laughs> which is even crazier. Well, one of my well, one of my getting the seas was gonna be the the way Italians and general people in on the continent queue because they just they just don't queue. <laughs> the English love a queue. But the Italians in the Eurovision fan park, which held five thousand people, uh, decided to just bottleneck it, and uh, and I spent two hours getting sunburned in the sun, 
and didn't even get in, so I had to go and watch it in a pub with the best atmosphere, which is always on the continent an Irish bar. So this is this is this blows Knock my mind up. slightly. I didn't realise that the Eurovision had kind of a similar tourism to football tourism. With yeah. people going to the city and watching it in fan parks there and stuff like that. That's crazy. Flags. It was loads of Spanish people. There was loads of um, random flags everywhere. Croatians. Uh, there was a few Irish out there. Wow. It was brilliant. Look out for our spin-off podcast, Eurovision <laughs> Social Daily, coming soon. Uh, let's start with a bit I of a whinge, though. I will if I'm doing that. <laughs> let's start with Get In The Sea, a chance to throw something from the weekend's football action into the deep blue of Forget About It for a little bit. Niall, you can go first today. OK, well, the FA Cup final is a prestigious day, isn't it? It's a wonderful day in the football calendar. Everyone looks forward to it. It doesn't quite have the same heritage as it used to, which is sad. And I think that was reflected in the fact that both Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel, as they do, turned up wearing the club shop. There wasn't a suit in yeah. sight. Where, that, I 100% agree. Where were the suits? Yeah, no suits. 4.45pm kickoff. Why? Why not just put it on at 3 o'clock? I know there's broadcasting rights and whatever, but the FA Cup was always 3 o'clock on a Saturday. Why was it 4.45? It was 5.15 last year. It was 5.30 the year before. Mm. It was 5pm the year before that. What's going on? I know it doesn't really make a difference because it's once a year, but it's all these small little things, really. Uh, like Chelsea wearing yellow instead of blue when Liverpool wear red. I mean, it just didn't make any sense no. to me. So that's one of my getting the seas because I've actually got two. Okay, I think Liverpool, by the way, whenever they reach a cup final, should be made to wear off-white suits in kind of like a nod to the Spice Boys era. Yes. Play in yes. them as well, not just wear them, play in those suits as well. But you're right, I think it's a disrespect to the competition to a certain extent. It's yeah. part of the erosion of what makes it special. And I kind of get on board with the broadcasting thing, but at the same time, I think we've changed the way we consume football. And actually, if you wanted to spend a day building up to the FA Cup, you could have done that. You could have watched stuff on social media, on YouTube and whatnot. But it does feel like it's been degraded slightly from where it once was. Yeah, and I know it's a little bit different now with the sort of diversity we've got in the Premier League. So, you know, I'm sure that Liverpool's lineup of mainly foreign players aren't too bothered about listening to the English national anthem before yeah. kickoff. Or abide and, with me. And similarly with Chelsea, yeah. Um, but things like, yeah, why didn't Chelsea wear blue? And I was speaking to Joel, actually, before we started the podcast, and he said maybe it was superstition and stuff like that. But that was something that I thought, oh, well, that's a bit of a shame. But it, it wasn't my, my true getting to see. My true get in the sea comes from, I think, just before the weekend where the official Premier League nominations for 21-22 Player of the Season were announced. Yep. The shortlist was unveiled and I was pretty shocked at, at the shortlist, to be honest. There are some strange inclusions for me. Um, here they are. Alexander-Arnold of Liverpool, Bowen of West Ham, Cancelo and De Bruyne of Manchester City, Bukayo Saka of Arsenal, Mohamed Salah of Liverpool, Son Heung-min of Tottenham Hotspur, and this is the sticker for me. James Ward-Prowse of Southampton has been nominated for Premier League Player of the Season. Why? Can anyone explain to me why? <laughs> he's, good at, he's good at free kicks. Someone's in his highlight reel I mean, I mean, listen, the best player ever. I'm going to be biased because I'm a Portsmouth fan. Everyone knows that, OK? But let's just take the Pompey hat off for a second. Why has James Ward-Prowse been nominated for Premier League Player of the Season? Who makes these nominations? Um... Bukayo Saka has he's had not a good even season. Than Joel Linton. No, he's, he's not. And Bukayo Saka's had a good season. He's also nominated for young player. I'm not sure you should um, uh, should really be should seeing Saka in, in both. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of uh, back up the argument of why Ward Prowse shouldn't be in there, he's got nine goals and five assists this season in a Southampton team that are on 40 points or 41 points that are going to finish um, above the relegation zone 
simply when they when they've they've been pretty poor this season. I think it's I think. only seven Premier League goals, and right. it's purely Premier League form we should be looking at. Exactly right. So if you look at James Madison, the same statistics this season for Leicester: nine goals and five assists, all of which have come after the twentieth of October. James Madison had no goal involvements before that, and all of his his toil has come post October. Mikhail Antonio has got nine goals and seven assists, so better than Ward Prowse. Or before October would it have been? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, um, Emmanuel Dennis, ten goals and six assists. So he Dennis put... in a Watford team that are the worst <laughs> team in the league. Who's going in? Stats. Who's going in instead of James Ward Prowse? Because I agree, it's a slightly strange choice. He's the one that sticks out from all those people you've just mentioned. Yeah, but, I mean, I could, I could but keep who going. goes in instead? Mason Mount has got eleven goals and ten assists. <laughs> Tony has got twelve goals and five assists, and. Uh, having only joined Tottenham in January, Dejan Kulishevsky has got eight assists for Tottenham Hotspur. He's only been there half a season. So, I mean, that is my get in the sea. I don't, don't understand who's picking these um, nominations for player of the season. Who, who's nominated them? Is it a panel? Is it the Premier League have just thought, OK, hang on, we've got no one in the bottom half of the table here. We need to pick someone who's one of the better players from, mm. from the other 14 teams in the league. OK, we'll, we'll just pick James Ward-Prowse because, as Marley says, he's good at free kicks. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose they need to have eight nominees. I need a nice round number for it. Who should replace James Ward-Prowse? I don't know, but he just definitely shouldn't be in there. That's my get in the seat. And also, I think, I don't know, Saka's had a good season, but has he been the Premier League player of the season? Could Could you not have 20? You have one from every club? Could. You know, I mean, like, it's almost like a winner of winners, almost. Who'd you pick from Manchester United, though? Why is Sadio Mane not in there? Because you, know, you couldn't have three Liverpool Why players, not? probably. Why not? Nah, They've been one of the best teams. It's a political game as much as a footballing game, isn't it? There's got to be a certain amount of balance that goes into that. And it comes to a public vote at the end of the day anyway, well. so it'll be a Liverpool player that wins it because it'll yeah, be a public should, vote. Yeah, it shouldn't be a public vote. No, I don't think because no. it just yeah. become it just comes down to who's Do you know got what? more fans on social media. It is a, it there's is so many of these different things, though, isn't it? There's so many different nominations for Player of the Season and Team of the Season, and you have the football writers and the fans yeah. and all that players, kind of thing. Players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it becomes yeah. a bit of a nonsense. I mean, but out of that bunch, though, lads, who, just quickly, I know this is getting the sea, but who would you pick? I actually don't know because I mean, Kevin it was nil. So, so it was nil. Don't they? We sell it on it before yeah. Christmas. Kevin but... De Bruyne is the best player in the Premier League, and yeah. he's not had the best season. But because of his form at the tail end in the last few weeks, he'll be in people's minds. He's won the PFA, which is voted for by fellow players, the last two seasons in a row, hasn't he? Kevin yeah. De Bruyne. Yeah. So you know, it's De Bruyne, Cancelo, Bowen, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Saka, Salah, Son Heung-min, and James Ward-Prowse. So if you were going to pick one, would you would you go for De Bruyne then? Because I agree with Marley. I think. I probably Salah, think it's got to be Salah, to. even though his form is nosedived yeah. in the last six weeks. It will be. It should be Kevin De Bruyne, but I think it'll be Mohamed Salah. Yeah. Would be my guess. Right, so we're putting James Ward-Prowse and the people who support him <laughs> in the sea <laughs> on today's uh, Get In The Sea. I'm going to do mine very quickly, and it's a significant moment in West Ham's history that I want to talk about, but not because of the reasons I really want to talk about it. <laughs> I'd love to spend an hour talking about Mark Noble and how brilliant he is as a footballer and a servant of West Ham and... I quite liked the pomp and ceremony at the end of the Man City game, although it was slightly over the top. It was right. It was proper. He had a big send off. He's a hero. He's symbolic of a type of football that doesn't really exist anymore. Someone who spent their entire career playing for the club they supported. And because of that, it seemed to give him a superpower. Whenever he went on the pitch, he played above the level of his own ability. So it was good. He got a good send off and I liked it. But my complaint is why everything in football has to be turned into some kind of cash cow. Why money has to be made from every event, be it 
a significant game or an anniversary or a new signing. There's always some merchandise or something or some kind of special thing you can buy online, like an NFT or something. And it happened with Mark Noble's departure as well. West Ham released a set of limited edition fashion items uh, (laughs) under the headline MN16. Like like he's Cristiano Ronaldo or something. You could have a polo shirt or a sweatshirt or a hoodie, all with this Mark Noble kind of iconography on it. Who is buying that? Who is wearing Me? Mark Noble's 16 clothes? And why does an event that should be so oh, significant and meaningful I've get just sullied? It. Do you know how much they are? I, I don't. How much? Oh, mate. A basic, not... a basic T-shirt, just plain blue, 50 quid. Wow. A short-sleeve polo, 55. Long-sleeve polo, 65. And a hoodie, 75 quid. Do you it's remember? been modelled by Carlton Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that photo of um, the Man United players walking down the street from about 20 years ago? And it's like Rooney and yeah. Wes Brown and John yeah. O'Shea and all that lot in terrible, terrible gear. Yeah. That's how I imagine Mark Noble to dress. So I can't, I can't believe that anyone would invest in oh, so fashion yeah. items. I imagine Mark Noble dressing constantly like someone out of Peaky Blinders, yeah. <laughs> like walking around the East End. I thought it was going to be like a Ben Sherman knockoff or something, you know, like a proper old school, like Lambretta or something. Uh, there was old no. school English things. I mean, but... f- football, football club in general is pretty horrific, Terrible, isn't it? Isn't it? It's yeah. like, you can fine, buy yourself a replica shirt if you want to. You mean to, like merchandise? But, yeah, or yeah. just like stuff that's like casual wear that's branded by football <laughs> yeah. clubs. Like a West Ham polo shirt yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't know who's wearing that stuff and I don't know why you'd buy it, but I think it was particularly not tasteless because there are things you could be more tasteless as of when you're releasing like memorabilia from a club shop but it was just unnecessary and it's just another example of a football club trying to make money out of something that shouldn't be made money out of I wonder yeah. how many they'll sell you know loads. how many people will sure actually buy that oh, people I, will. Would, I wouldn't I wouldn't be seen dead in that um, <laughs> well that's a shame because I've bought fan. you one Marley <laughs> <laughs> when Marley dies we're going to deck him out in Mark Noble West Ham gear <laughs> I've got a feeling there'll be a few on sale in a couple of weeks anyway I'm on the the West Ham store like at the minute looking at the, the prices of it and underneath it says like site best sellers and you can get this season's West Ham away kit for 25 quid which yeah. means you can get three away kits for the price of one hoodie Mark Noble, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's not a bad shirt. It's the blue and white stripey one. Oh, with, I bought uh, it for West 25 Ham. quid very recently. Well, there you go. That'll do me for five side. Yeah, it's decent, that. So, yeah, but 75 quid for a hoodie. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. Says Mark Noble on it. Absolutely bonkers. That is my get in the sea today. Wrap us up, Marley. What's your Monday moan? Um, My Monday moan comes from... um, it's 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 kind of hard. It's not something specific. It's just like... Everton in general at the weekend, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it was between Everton and Watford this weekend, uh, the the Zed Cars pair um, of the pair of them. But Watford was just being for being terrible, like for, you know, just stinking the place out and Ben Foster having another shocker in them, defending like just awfully. And then Roy Hodgson just sat there like a nice old man on a bench watching a park game of football, not getting involved or anything. But I, I was... Giving it to Everton purely because of their just absolute naivety in the whole Brentford game. You know, they went 1-0 up and then the the Branthwaite sending off did change things, but the the moaning at um at Richarlison having his shirt pulled, for me, just wasn't it just wasn't enough for a penalty. You don't Really? Yeah, you don't I, you don't get stuff like that. You 
Oh. I don't think you should either because it's just it didn't really affect him. I don't think. I don't. I, I don't think he, he didn't. Though. He didn't pull him to the floor. If he goes down, then maybe you've got a maybe you got more of a point. But the fact that it was like you know it was hoofed clear and you couldn't defend a straight ball with yeah. who, with the man who I will go out on my shield and say is one of the worst players I've ever seen in the Premier League, Jared Branthwaite. Like how can he? How can he not see the danger? And then how can he not defend it by just simply staying staying directly on the back of Yuan Wisser, I think it was. Or was it Tony? One of the two. Yeah. Um and clipping him. Like just run alongside him, push him onto his, his weaker foot Clumsy, and, ju- and and trust Pickford to save it because he's you know, he's England's best keeper and he's also in the form of his life. And even if it goes in the back of the net, it's still one one with what, seventeen minutes remaining or something like that. So mm. just that that naivety and then to go then to go two one up, and then still manage the game terribly, um, and and switch off. You know the two goals was was Richarlison switching off for that for uh, Wiss's header, which was stunning, absolutely one of the best headers you'll ever see. I don't know if he meant to do it or what, but it flies in because Richarlison was asleep, and then uh, the the defending by Anthony Gordon for for Rico Henry's def- with uh, it is. Tracking of him at the back post was awful. If you yeah. if you watched match of the day last night, they they showed um, they showed Gordon's sort of couple of seconds as the cross was coming in, and he was literally just like he had his arms by his sides. He was on his the flats of his feet. He wasn't on his toes, like trying to wait for the danger, and he was just like moping about like a like a a kid on a street corner, just moping around, wasting time, thinking oh we'll we'll win the ball back or someone else will head it away. Um, and Rico Henry plants a great header in, and then two goals in co- two minutes as well, Marley. Yeah, yeah, and then to compound it all, you know, Rondon comes on. He's on for I think it's three minutes and forty seconds, and, and two foot, uh, and Henry in the ankle. And Is it? Uh, it's just thinking you're just creating your own problems there because now you've got you've got to win one of your next two games to probably to stay in the league, um, and you've got Rondon and Branthwaite now both. Uh, red carded. You've got injury problems elsewhere um, at the back, and you know even with everyone there, you, you're still not very good. So, are you surprised that Lampard isn't under more pressure? Because all the things you mentioned come down, at least in part, to the coaching of that team. And yet he seems to be still. Mm, I think the a only bit reason, of a hero for everything. I think the only reason he's not under pressure is because there's there's realistically no chance of him going. Like if you put him under pressure now, like in the press, you know you're gonna like. You, you can't win. If really. they get relegated? Oh, if they get relegated, he should be probably sacked. Because when he came in, they were six points above the relegation zone. And now, even if they win the last two, they can only finish five points above the relegation zone. So it, whichever way you look at it, he's took them backwards. Mm. Um, and yeah, this uh, it's not really gone well, but it's in keeping mm. with Everton as, as a club, really. They've, they've got a lot of decisions wrong in the last five or six years, and that's why... They are where they are, I think. I don't think you can blame Lampard for Rondon coming on and two-footing someone, though. And I don't think you can blame yeah. Lampard for terrible defending of a long ball, like Marley says. I don't think you can blame the manager for that. And you mentioned, Jim, like, you know, maybe Lampard needs to be more culpable in something in the coaching, similar to what Leeds have had, where they've had players sent off in recent matches. Mm. I think it's just an over-eagerness and a desire to, to make an impact on the game. And, and it's desperation. It's just pure and simple desperation, isn't it? It's poor from... But it um, comes from an earlier mistake, like a, a, a bad challenge 
comes from an error earlier on usually someone's caught at a position or a formation is not right it's like if people are in the right positions on a football pitch they don't need to put in rash challenges yeah i know but i mean everton are three two down needing a win to secure premier league survival Mm. for another season rondon comes on and probably knows he's not going to get a sniff of the of the ball with Everton having 10 men. So it just charges around and decides to, <laughs> decides to reduce someone. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you can blame Lampard for that unless he's literally gone to Rondon and said, here, mate, can you just go and chop down <laughs> chop down one of their players, mm. please? Yeah, yeah. Well, Everton will discover their fate within the next seven days. We're reaching the end of the Premier League season. There are a load of games going on this week as some of those Covid hit games from earlier the season get caught up with. One of them is tonight. It's Arsenal versus Newcastle United in the race for top four for Arsenal. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Tonight's Monday Night Football is Arsenal versus Newcastle. I mean, it's very difficult to make any argument other than this one being more important for Arsenal than it is for Newcastle. A win puts them back in control of getting that fourth spot after losing the London derby last weekend. Will they be satisfied with that? No, the fact that at this stage in the season, ultimately, Champions League qualification, which was their objective at the beginning of the season, probably, it is still in their hands at this stage. There is a certain amount of satisfaction in the fact they still have control of it, I guess. I think you have to be. I think when you're in this position, all you really want is to be able to have control of your destiny. And like you say, that's exactly what Arsenal have got at the moment. And, you know, there's nothing worse than going into a final day or final game of the season having to rely on someone else. I mean, it's nerve shredding to say the least, but also you've got that kind of knotting feeling in your stomach Mm. where you're thinking, oh, will someone score? Will there be a last minute equaliser, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, this week we've seen Sergio Aguero's statue unveiled outside the Etihad. And, you know, the statue is him in the pose of whipping his shirt off against QPR, spinning it around his head and City win the title on goal difference. And, you know, going into the final day, it's great for the neutral with that sort of excitement. But from an Arsenal perspective, all Arsenal and Arteta would have wanted was to be in this position with one or two games to go mm. to be able to say, if we win these games, we are in the Champions League. And Arsenal didn't qualify for Europe last season, which is the first time in a quarter of a century that they hadn't qualified for European competition. 25 years, whether that be Europa League or Champions League or now the Europa Conference, to go that long 
um, and then not qualify for Europe all of a sudden. That was massively damaging to Arsenal as a as a club in terms of the finance it brings in and the reputation of the club. And so for them to get back in the Champions League, I think it's five years they've been out of the Champions League. So for them to get back in will be a massive boost for them. They're one of the biggest clubs in the country. They're, I mean, there's an argument to suggest they're the biggest club in London. Sorry, Tottenham, <laughs> Chelsea and West Ham fans, but I certainly think that they've got an argument for that. Um, so to finish in the Champions League is massive for them and to have it in their own hands is is certainly a benefit. I think with tonight's game against Newcastle, it's not going to be easy though. I think it's, it's at St. James's Park, isn't it? Final mm-hmm. home game of the season. You yeah. know, the Geordies will be up for it. They've secured survival. Eddie Howe's done a brilliant job there since he's gone in. The signings they've made have made a real difference and, you know, the mood around Newcastle's improved hugely. So I think it won't be as easy as, as many Arsenal fans might be predicting to go to... St. James's Park in an evening game, by the way. They're always a little bit more lively, I think, uh, up there um, than, than the Saturday afternoon matches. And, you know, to, to go up there and get a result won't be easy. And the one thing that worries me about Arsenal is the last time they lost the game was at the start of April when they lost 3-0 to Crystal Palace. And then they went on a three-game losing streak where they lost 2-1 to Brighton and then they lost 1-0 to Southampton. And that was when Tottenham started to win and then Tottenham started to come back into it. And obviously the points difference between them, I think, is only just one point at the moment, still pretty close. And so Tottenham will be looking at that sort of run of games that they had at the start of April against Palace, Brighton and Southampton, teams that are in a similar position in the table to Newcastle United that Arsenal would have expected to beat, but they didn't. And Tottenham will be taking confidence from that. So that is one thing I've noticed about Mikel Arteta's team. They're generally pretty solid, but when they do lose, they can be patchy. So will that play a factor tonight? We'll wait and see. We'll talk about Newcastle shortly, Marley. But, I mean, Arsene Wenger famously said for Arsenal that fourth spot was as good as a trophy. And (laughs) they wouldn't have gone into the season probably expecting anything more in the league other than fourth spot. They were never going to finish above Chelsea, Liverpool or City. Now, they weren't at their best versus Tottenham last time out in the North London derby. They lost that by a canter. Um, not helped by some refereeing decisions. Mikel Arteta came out afterwards and said, oh, if I talk about the refereeing, I'll be banned for six months. He's going to be keen for his team to bounce back and show a little bit of grit. But do Arsenal have that in them now? Do they have the ability, more than in previous seasons, to show grit and fight when they need to? I I, I don't think so. Um not yet. Still soft. Yeah, because I mean, I remember when they were on a, an absolute tear in um, earlier this season, sort of around January, February time, when they won a lot of games in a row. I think they won six or seven in a row, something like that. And, and we said, like, is this the new Arsenal? Is this is this them in their sort of final form almost? And um, I remember saying on the podcast that they're gonna lose games you're not expecting them to because. Mm. It's a young team, and they, mm. you know, you seen that in the, those three games: Palace, Brighton, and yeah. and um, Southampton. Not not particularly good teams, you know. Um, but it was one of them where if they, if the team was a little bit older and a bit a little bit more experienced, they wouldn't have lost those games. And it's the same as like next season when they play those three teams or teams like that, teams around that area in the table. They'll learn as they get as they as they go through and, and get more experience, but. You know, little collapses can happen, and and a, a club like Arsenal, it's one of them where if if it does happen, you know, the press will be like, oh well, you know, they need this, they need they need new players, they need better players, and blah blah blah. But really, if you keep that team the same for the next four or five years, the 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 sort of graph would would still be like on a sharp rise because every year is just more experience, and 
mm. and more um, sort of memories in the bank of when you come to it next year. You go, well, this that that can't happen again because it's sometimes it's good. I think for for players to lose silly games like that because they'll 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 not get complacent in the future. It will help them, um, and if they can nick fourth this season, then it's it's fantastic for them because you know a young team they can then go and attract better players if they're in the Champions League. I think the level of striker they bring in depends on these next two games. Mm. If you get in the Champions League, you can probably go and sign Alexander Isak from, from Sociedad or you can go and sign maybe Dybala from Juventus who's just announced he's leaving or some, 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 something like that. So it's in it's in Arsenal's hands. They can't ask for much more, but I can't see them beating us tonight. Well, let's talk about Newcastle then, as you like to do, cool, then. Marley. <laughs> Are you in danger of finishing the season with a little bit of a whimper? A no. couple of defeats. This could be third defeat on the bounce if they do win. No, you're that, no. That, that's not disappointing in any way. No, because you can say, yeah, we've lost our last two, but we've lost them to City and Liverpool. Yeah. So you know, we we were pretty good <laughs> against demolished Liverpool. Demolished by City. Yeah, it, we were we were never in that game. To be fair, um, we did have chances though. I mean, if you remember the game, Chris Wood had a chance. Lascelles had a chance, um, and if those go in, City get nervy, and we still might lose the game, but we won't lose it five nil, you know. Um, so it's uh, it was one of them where we did have did have a little bit of an opportunity, we just didn't take it. And like I said with Arsenal, that if we get that next season, you know, uh, we could be better for it. So we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I I can't see Arsenal beating us tonight. I think I think our home form has been insane since Christmas. Um, I think the last team to beat us before last week, uh, before Liverpool came last week and beat us, was uh, was Cambridge in the FA Cup. And before that, it was, I think it was City in December, December the 19th, I think it was. So we've beaten everybody else. I don't think Arsenal are on the level of Liverpool or, New, or, um, or City, obviously. Uh, and I think that, the the experience thing that I was just mentioning before will also count against uh, that squad in this situation tonight because Newcastle will be bouncing. There's a, a massive um, display um, planned by the War Flags group um, who are doing who have been doing sort of TFOs all season ever since Ashley left because Ashley banned them from from doing it. Um, because he's a ball bag, but um, <laughs> <laughs> for literally no other reason, like it wouldn't have even cost him anything. They've, they've raised funds themselves. They've, you know, they, from donations and stuff. The the War Flags group and they. Put so what t- are the what are the War Flags group do? Who are they? War Fl- so War Flags is in not war as in W A R like W O R like war like it's just a war. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a Geordie thing. Like you'll say like um, War Shearer. Yeah, or, or like if you've got a brother called John, you say War War John, like War like our basically. Okay, right. Um, so but it's called War Flags. Um, and they they just if you've seen anything from pre kickoff, you know they do like big um they call surfer banners and you push them up the stands. Yeah, and yeah, they go yeah, over yeah. you, and it looks amazing. It looks fantastic, and they put all the flags out on the on the um, pitches and stuff. And you know you now see other teams going. Oh, flags are good. Flags give. Uh, loads of atmosphere and stuff, and it creates a real buzz around the um, around the stadium and, and gives it that atmosphere, which has basically saved us this season. So they're planning something on in all four stands this uh, tonight. So that should be good. I think there's a big um, blue star. You remember when Newcastle was sponsored by Newcastle Blue Star, mm-hmm. and they had the literal blue star in the middle of the shirt. Something like that happening, um, and it'll be a really good atmosphere. And I think I think it'll get to Arsenal because they haven't got that experience. And they haven't got the experience in that squad of um, 
fighting for the top for for potential Champions League with two games to go that they'd have to win both games. Um and I think it'll be I think it'll be a decent game to be fair. Well keep an eye on the sports social Twitter account as it turns into a Newcastle United fan <laughs> account for the evening at the sports social. There will no doubt be pictures of those war flags all over that even when that does happen. Eddie Howe's amongst those nominations for manager of the season this year, Niall. You've already had a whinge about people who don't deserve being mm. in the player of the season. I mean you've got Eddie Howe, Jurgen Klopp, Patrick Vieira, Thomas Frank and Pep Guardiola in that final list of potential managers of the season. Does Eddie Howe deserve to be in there? And has he got any chance of winning it for the four months he's spent at Newcastle? No, he's not going to win it. Um, Guardiola or Klopp will win it, and understandably so. And if it is a public vote, much like what the player of the season is, then you'd understand why Liverpool or Manchester City will win it just due to the global fan base. But Eddie Howe... I'm a bit torn on this one. I think if we're talking eight nominees, then yeah, I think he is amongst the eight best managers in the Premier League this season. I do think that that is mm. the case. Obviously, he's not been in charge a whole season. He took over from Steve Bruce. Things were very miserable at Newcastle when Steve Bruce got sacked. But he took over and it's the takeover or just after the takeover was confirmed. Obviously, the coaching has improved. And I think that the players' performances, even the players that they still had under Steve Bruce, are playing much better than yep. they did when Steve Bruce was the manager. So that's credit to Eddie Howe. But there's always going to be the caveat of the fact they spent what, whatever it was, ninety-two million or something in the in the January window, and they brought brought players in like Kieran Trippier, like Bruno Guimaraes, who are, who are excellent players um, and have improved Newcastle United no end. But I think for every argument that suggests. They've brought in Trippio, scored a couple of free kicks in Howe's early tenure and picked them up some points in massive games where they won 1-0 or it was just a, a piece of brilliance to decide those matches. Um, and for every, oh, Bruno Gimresh was signed from Lyon. He was one of Europe's kind of sort of hidden gems and they've brought him in and, and he's done really, really well. Um, for every argument for that, there's also the argument of Joel Linton is unrecognisable from the player he was under Steve Bruce. Yeah, You know, he's not the same player. He's been moved from centre forward to central midfield He's looked absolutely brilliant in doing so. You wouldn't think that he's never been a central midfield player. You'd think he always had been and he was playing in an unfamiliar role up front, such as the transformation mm. that he's had. And I think Eddie Howe deserves huge credit for that because he came into Newcastle, he recognised that Joel Linton was probably not best suited to playing up front. But it doesn't in the make Premier him manager League, of the season. Which is probably the point I was getting to. I mean, I'm not sure whether he deserves to be manager of the season, but does he deserve to be in the nominations? I think from what we've seen... If you take the money argument out of it, the improvement of the other players that were already at Newcastle when Steve Bruce was there, I think it's fair enough to suggest he is amongst the eight best managers in the Premier League this season. He doesn't, he's not manager of the season for me. He doesn't deserve to win it. And there'll always be that question mark with the, oh, they spent loads of money in January and that's why. Um, I don't think that is explicitly or exclusively why. And I think that it would be unfair to suggest that that is the only reason why Eddie Howe is nominated because he's had money to spend because mm. it's just not true. So that so that would be my assessment on it. But you know, for every argument of why Eddie Howe's in there, you could also argue why Patrick Vieira's in there. Crystal Palace are going to finish exactly where they always finish, yeah. above the relegation zone, mid-table. They just play nicer football now. David Moore is not in it. I argue he might deserve to be Conte. I'd argue he probably deserves to be in there for what he's done at Tottenham, particularly the if, if, if Howe's in I don't there. Think, I don't think Conte has done a better job than Howe. No, but because, he, but because if Howe's I, in there, he deserves. I'm saying they're well, kind of yeah, on a level. I, well, they're both probably more deserving than Vieira, but. For me, like seven points we had when Howe came in. We've now got 43, so that's 34 points just earned by Eddie Howe. And 34 points, if, if we started on zero, mm. I mean, Burnley have got 34 points from 36 games. Like, they're, they're, they're 18th. 
So if you just judge Eddie Howe from Eddie, November or whenever it was, yeah, and even point. if you take in that Eddie Howe's goal difference, you know, we'd be we'd be out of the relegation zone on just those points. Yeah. So for me, I don't think anyone's done a better job than than Howe. But I, I am obviously I'm biased, but yeah. I think the people look at the people look at the um, the money and go, ah, oh, he spent money, but. You know, Everton spent half a billion on the squad. And yeah, they're, after, yeah. they're worse than they've they've ever been. Like this, the sixteenth, they might go down. Um, they're relying on fan fireworks to try and keep them out of the, uh, the championship next season, and mm. you know, spreading I, them round round uh, Merseyside. So yeah. there's proof there's proof in the pudding that you've got to you've got to spend the money, but you've got, you've got to attract the right players, especially in January when they're all going to come in and go. I want a relegation clause in my contract, and you got you have to go. Okay, but you have to play. You have to fight. You can't just use it as a stepping stone. You have to get that character right, and I think they've done that with with Target and with Bruno and with Trippier. Um, they've all come in. They've had the right mentality, uh, and that's why the, the the improvement's been there. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think he'll win it. No, I don't he definitely think he won't win it. No. But um, no, it's got to go to. But it's the same reason. Whoever like, wins the Premier like, League, hasn't it? Thomas Frank's yeah. in there because the same reason Chris Wilder was in there. He's brought a team up who everyone expected to go straight back down and he's got them to finish away from the relegation place. Is Thomas Frank in there? Thomas yeah. Frank's nominated, yeah. yeah. But next next season, they might they well. might drop. <laughs> you know, he's done a decent job. Yeah. But like you say, has he done a better job than David Moyes? Don't know, probably not. But, you know, th- this is the thing. You know, who who do you pick? I mean, you would you pick David Moyes, Jim? Who not as manager of the season. Who's Maybe. manager of the season then? Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp, whoever wins the Premier League title. Same for me, yeah. This is how it's got to be, isn't it? Right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about transfers next, wrapping up today's podcast with a little bit of a look at the back pages because there are three weeks to go until that transfer window opens. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Right, let's have a quick rattle through the transfer rumours doing the rounds at the moment. It's really going to heat up over the next three weeks. Once the season finishes next weekend, that's when the transfer rumour mill goes into overdrive and all the football websites go after their clickbaity titles and all that kind of thing. And there's a few clickbaity names that are doing the rounds today, starting with Paul Pogba who apparently is moving closer to a move back to Italy with Juventus. He's meeting with representatives from Juventus today about a potential move at the end of the season. Obviously, that'll be a free transfer. This is according to the Mirror, by the way. Now, the slight caveat here is he can't speak to English clubs at the moment. He's not allowed to have discussions until the end of the season. He can speak to European clubs, which is why this conversation has opened up with Juventus at this stage. Zero chance of him staying at Manchester United. No, I think we can kind of agree that he's not going to sign a new contract at this stage. But have United done enough to keep him? Did they want to keep him? And have they shown the player that they wanted to keep him with Ten Hag coming in? That's a hard question. I think the key is what you've just mentioned. Ten Hag coming in. in you know, and does he want Paul Pogba? And obviously mm. Ten Hag will be in the building, I think, this week. 
I think uh, Ajax have kind of got a, a post-title winning celebration outing or trip, kind of like a team bonding thing. Um, and he's not going to be there. He's actually flying to Manchester this week to kind of get his feet under the table at Old Trafford and get his bearings around Carrington and the training ground and all the rest of it. So um, so I think that's the key. You know, if Ten Hag wants Paul Pogba, I'm sure he would have communicated that to the club by now and would have made it clear to Rangnick or Richard Arnold, the chief executive, or whoever the necessary body is, John Murta, whoever. I'm sure Ten Hag would have made that clear and communicated that if he wanted to keep Paul Pogba, then they would have issued a contract to him. Um, or given him a contract mm. offer. There are there are reports suggesting that United have offered Paul Pogba a new contract um, and he's decided not to sign it. Whether I believe that or not is another question. And then there are these reports linking him with Juventus, which seems to me the more likely option. Have United done enough is a really interesting way to phrase that question because my argument would be, has Paul Pogba done enough to deserve a new contract? No. And you can flip that not on the all. other way. You know, Has Paul Pogba done enough to deserve a new multi-year extended contract with better wages mm. because they'll have to be improved wages because he wouldn't just sign on the dotted line for the same fee. Don't, don't you feel, though, that he's going to go somewhere and, and smash be brilliant. it? Of course he will. Yeah, he's an exceptional football player. <laughs> mm. I don't think that's ever been in the question. I don't think the, the argument has never been Paul Pogba is rubbish because he's, he's absolutely not. He's arguably been unlucky in his time at Manchester United in terms of... The period he was at the club yeah. was, a, was a, a dip in United's um, history. I don't think there's any questions about that I think that that is categorical so I think that there is an element of scepticism and and scapegoating even you could argue with Paul Pogba Um, the problem is there's been times where Paul Pogba has been unbelievable he's been sensational Um, there was a period when Solskjaer came in um, to take over from Mourinho and kind of the end of the season he was scoring and assisting in every game even at the start of this season, four assists on the opening day of the season against Leeds. I don't think anyone's ever done that in a game. Mm. Um, he was leading the assist charts in the Premier League for a while um, at the start of the season. Then he got injured. And then there you go, there's your problem. He got injured and, and we haven't seen him since. Um, for instance, there was a game a few years ago, a Manchester derby against City, in which I think if City had beaten United, they would have won the title. They were 2-0 up and I think United came back to win 3-2 and it was all Paul Pogba. He grabbed that game by the basically and took it through and um, got the result for Manchester United and he's done that on occasion but the problem is he's not done it enough and I think that that's 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 the long and short of it isn't it he's a very good player is he world class I don't know he's very good is he world class I'm not sure would he get into City's midfield probably not starting would he get into Liverpool's midfield probably not Mm. starting would they all take him would all of the top teams in Europe take him? Yes, they would. And I think if you're a football fan, no matter how biased or partisan you are, say you're Liverpool or Manchester City supporter, you are lying to yourself if you wouldn't have Paul Pogba in your 25-man squad. You're lying because he is very good. But will he get in the starting eleven? That's another matter. Would he get in Juve's starting eleven? Yes, he would. There's definitely an element of him needing a clean break as well, I think, to get away from the toxic atmosphere that is at Manchester United, particularly around him at the moment. Um, Let's move on to Spain, where there are reports coming from Atletico Madrid and the press there that Aston Villa want to sign Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez has said he's leaving Atletico. Inter Milan and Sevilla are both in the race for his signature. 35 years old. Marley, mm. 
does he still have what it takes to compete in the Premier League at that level? Because La Liga is a very different league to the Premier League. It is. Um, yes, he's old. Um, <laughs> it's not that old. <laughs> I'm 43 on Wednesday. 35 isn't that old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I, I still think he could play a part for a team. You know, it's like a cameo off the bench, you know, 20, 25 minutes here and there when you're bringing on a calibre of striker like him um, who will 100% know his way out to... Uh, how to skullduggery himself into a position where he can score a goal or get someone sent off or something. Just just unsettle teams, basically. Um, I'm not quite sure about Villa, to be fair. Obviously, the Gerard link is is there, and Gerard's just getting the band back together from his old Liverpool time. He'll probably try and pull Jabby Alonso out of uh, retirement soon. But <laughs> Ian Rush, <laughs> yeah. signing pre-contracts. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. So I'm not sure about that because I think where Villa have struggled this season is getting... Ings and Watkins into the same team. I think they've changed they've changed formation a lot, mm. um, and a lot of what Villa's problems have been, in my opinion, has just been finding a formation that gets the best out of as many of their top players as possible. Because I don't think you can get Coutinho, Watkins, Ings, Buendia, and Leon Bailey well, all in the be, same team. That was going to be one of my questions. Is it the kind of player that Aston Villa need? Because it feels like. In that part of the pitch, they're pretty well versed in terms of attacking forces. Mm, yeah, I'm. I'd probably agree with that. I'm not really sure they need another striker. I think. I think Ings. If you keep Ings fit for for 38 games, I think he scores you 18, 20 goals quite quite comfortably. I think he scored 22 for Southampton two years ago. Um, so he's got that caliber. I think Watkins will easily chip in with 12 or 13 as well if he plays a full season up front. So I think there's enough there in that squad to to not need Suarez, but. If if Suarez is free um, and he comes for you know a hundred hundred and twenty grand a week, you know I think Villa are in that position where they could they could afford it, um, and it probably pleased Coutinho a little bit because he's he's had the old Liverpool connection as yeah. well. Um, Just be uh, and Barcelona, speed, and yeah, yeah. Just be yeah. dialing Daniel Sturridge next. To get <laughs> yeah. him, get him, and they would have played involved. together at Barcelona, wouldn't they, Coutinho and yeah, 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 Suarez, yeah. yeah. But I mean, um, this report I think, did. Um, <laughs> Was Danny Kings at Liverpool when Suarez was? Is that the reason why he left? I have no idea. It might have just he crossed broke his over. leg, didn't he, or he got a knee injury? Danny yeah, Ings, that's why he didn't really play. But I mean, he might have crossed this over, report, sure. Jim says. Am I right in saying that Sevilla and Inter Milan are also in the race? Yeah. If uh, Lautaro Martinez leaves Inter Milan, which looks like it could be a possibility, um, maybe Suarez is is like the perfect fit for Inter, especially if they've just won the Scudetto, which they look like they're going to do. I think it's between them and. AC Milan, their their cross city rivals to win the Italian league this season, um, and Lataro Martinez is being linked with a move to the Premier League. Um, whether he will move or not, I don't know. Then there's the kind of it's like a triangle this because then mm. there's the the idea that Lukaku might go back to Inter, so Inter could you know end up replacing Lautaro Martinez with Romelu Lukaku and uh, Luis Suarez, which wouldn't be a bad strike no. force, would it? And you see those. Dominoes falling, as you say. Yeah, it does. One thing does tend to Chain lead to reaction. another. Yeah, yeah, completely. I agree. I think Inter is a far more likely destination for Suarez than him coming back to England to play for Aston Villa. Focusing back on England, though, Christian Eriksen. He's been speaking about his future. This is via via play. He says he would love to play Champions League football again, which sounded to me a little bit like a come and get me Champions League qualifying clubs because he's weighing up his future. His contract with Brentford expires at the end of the season. 
it kind of suggests he's talking about Champions League football. To me, it suggests he isn't planning on staying with the bees, Niall. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I just think that, you know, for the time that he was signed by Brentford, it's just seemed the perfect fit. Brentford yeah. has got this sort of Danish spine running through it between the players, of which there are a number of Danes, and of course the manager, Thomas Frank, is from Denmark. Um, Christian Eriksen needed to, to come back to England. So because he's had a pacemaker fitted, he's not actually allowed to play Italian football, which is where he was before, into Milan. Right. And I actually am not sure of the rules in Spain or in any of the other European countries, France, etc., around if you have a pacemaker, whether you can play in those leagues. I know in Italy, the reason he can't basically play in Serie A anymore is because of the fact he has a pacemaker. That's interesting. Um, there are no such rules in the Premier League, supposedly, which is obviously why he can play. Um, so in terms of the come and get me plea, saying, I want to play in the Champions League, is he asking for a, a bigger Premier League club to come and take him? Could he go back to Tottenham? Antonio Conte worked with him at Inter Milan, won the Scudetto, won the Italian title at Inter Milan. Didn't really like him, though. No, that's very true. Is he top four material, Christian Eriksen, still? Is he still going to get into an Arsenal or a Spurs or a Chelsea yeah. even? Yeah, I think he'd get into Arsenal's team. I'm not, not, not sure about any of the I'm others. I'm not sure. With Odegaard, mm, would I'm... you go for the older fella over the younger guy and, and push him out, you know? Oh, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's it's kind of reminding me of... Don't go to Arsenal anyway with the no, he, Spurs he, thing. No, he definitely wouldn't. But yeah. it's kind of reminding me of the Juan Mata thing at Manchester United. You know, he's kind of become the older head mm. and comes on for a few minutes at the end of games here and there. I mean, Mata's started games recently for Manchester United, but in the last few years, he's kind of just been the, the senior figure in the squad that just happens to be an attacking midfield player, an advanced midfield player. So, you know, maybe that's why I'm drawing the comparisons there. But... um. I'm not sure. I think I think he could stay at Brentford, to be honest. I think he will. Um, okay. It's only a short-term contract, isn't it? So they might offer him a new deal. They're back in the Premier League um, this season. They're, they're safe, Brentford. Um, who knows what they could do next season? And, and, you know, he might just sign a one-year contract extension, better wages. A couple, a couple of times in the last few years, you've seen the second season syndrome come in with Sheffield United going down, Leeds maybe this year going down. So that if that pattern continues, Brentford... Need I think I think Brentford really need him next season mm. um, because when teams work you out and get used to you, you know um, it becomes much harder. So mm. keeping a player of Eriksson's quality would be huge, and I, th- I actually think he's one of the reasons why they never were in any trouble this season. I think if they didn't sign him in January, they had a little slip where they lost, I think it was four or five in a row, uh, sort of around Christmas time, and it looked like they might get pulled into it. Um, but Eriksson popped up big for them and his set-piece delivery was was incredible and his crossing, his yeah. chance creation, stuff like that. So I think they'll always be there for him, um, but it's just a case of like scouting out the landscape and seeing what, what's around because if there is someone better, I think he'll leave, but yeah. I think Brentford will always be a safety blanket. Yeah, in answer to your question, I don't think there's zero chance of him staying. I, I definitely think there's a, a likelihood he could stay. Let's wrap up with looking away from the Premier League slightly because we can't do a football podcast without talking about Kylian Mbappe who has been being a little <laughs> over the last 24 hours and talking about his future or what he might be doing. He says he's almost made a decision and he will be very soon making an announcement as to where he will be next season. There were rumours he'd fallen out of PSG, was looking at a move. He could still stay at PSG. He could move to Real Madrid. What do you make of this? 
Marley, in terms of how it's been handled? Is he just creating a hype around himself? I'll tell you what it reminds me of. It reminds me of uh, Griezmann when he was going to leave um, Atletico <laughs> yeah. Madrid and he made a film about yeah. what he was going to do and filmed two endings and so two there was endings, no leaks yeah. and then he ended up staying and it was all kind of blown out of proportion. It was just hype. Yeah, how, how do you look at this Mbappe situation? And then Griezmann went and stank the place out, didn't he? Yeah. When, he when he eventually did leave. Um, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't not see him going to Real Madrid. I think if you were going to stay at PSG, you'd have you'd have said it by now. You know, as the closer you get to the end of your contract or whatever, well, the end of the saga sort of thing. I think once you get close to it, it's more likely than than not than that you leave. If you look at Rudiger at Chelsea, he's done something pretty similar, and then he's gone. Yeah, I'm going to Real Madrid. If you look at Pogba, you know we all know he's leaving pretty much. Um, I think it's similar with even with Haaland as well. You know they they announce it towards the end of the season, so I think Mbappe will will do the same, and he'll go to PSG. Uh, he'll leave PSG and go to Real go to Real Madrid. Madrid. He, he idolized Zidane as a as a kid. Uh, he idolized Ronaldo. They both played in that white shirt for for Real Madrid, and he wants to do the same. And I think for his legacy and his career, I think it's the right move as well because linking up with Benzema for a couple of seasons and sharing the load with him would be really good for him. Um, he can be there for the next 10 years if, if everything goes well. Classic he, terrifying prospect, Mbappe and Benzema in the same yeah, team, isn't it? Yeah, and there's there's also room as well for, for the pair of them in the same team because Benzema's you know, one of the cleverest strikers out there and he, he, he enabled Ronaldo to, to score so many goals over the years. So if you've got a front three of Mbappe, Vinicius and, and Benzema, I think that's... That's as good as it gets with players like Kamavinga, another young French fella Brilliant behind team. him. You know, top I th- player. Yeah, it's. I think it's a. I think it's the right move for him. Um, get away from PSG where it's a bit easy week on week and no chance, chance of Newcastle United slapping a million quid a week on the table. No, unless he fancies the West Ham number sixteen shirt. You know, <laughs> unless you <laughs> think that's good. It's good being retired. You could buy a few seventy-five quid a week, uh, seventy-five <laughs> quid hoodies with the wages you'd be on. I'm just thinking. Um, you mentioned Suarez earlier. If PSG lose Mbappe, could PSG not pick up Suarez and then they'd have, would yeah. they not have Neymar, Suarez and Messi again <laughs> as their yeah. front three? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Barcelona had that. Is the, yeah. is the kind of like, the, I can't think of the right phrasing here, but the magic of PSG waning a little bit because we know they... The was it ever magic though? Well, that's mm. it. They, they, there, was always a, there was always a temptation that PSG was spending this money that would guarantee them the Champions League. Uh, they'll win the Champions League sooner or later. Jim, when, when I was yeah. growing up, and I don't know if Marley agrees, PSG were famous because they were the club that Ronaldinho used to play for. That was it. <laughs> that was yeah. it. They were never that good, were They've they? They've never been that good. Until the Qatari money came in and basically has propelled them. And everyone thinks they're one of the top teams. They always bottle the Champions League. They always choke in the Champions League. You could argue, I guess, in, to an extent, City very similarly have done something something along mm. the same lines. But for me, PSG were never a historical super club. Now well, they are. If you look at the, Now they are, of course. They were formed in 1970. Yeah, I know. No, they're 52 years old, the club. <laughs> My dad's 12 years older than PSG, which I like to remind him of every now and again. <laughs> but there was always the temptation, wasn't there? If a player went to PSG, they saw the players they were buying. I mean, look at the moment. They've got Neymar and Mbappe and, and Messi as their front three. So you'd look at that and go, oh, we'll, we'll go there. We'll win a trophy and then I'll move on somewhere else. I'll take the payday. But the fact they've systematically failed to win the Champions League over the last five, six years, okay. which is which is bloody difficult to yeah, do, I'll, so it's fair agreed. enough. I mean, a question would be, has a PSG player ever been 
the best player in the world no. properly. No. I mean, Neymar is the closest because they're not get. tested. They don't, Mbappe not, is the closest you'll get. You, you can't be. If I went and played five side football against my lad's eight year old like team every week I'd look pretty good but I wouldn't be judged the best player in the world because I'm playing against a team yeah. of eight-year-olds it's the same thing for PSG to a certain extent yeah not two of them not make you in the first five minutes yeah well I didn't say it would be a, a cakewalk <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know yeah, is so young yeah. though isn't he so young he's got so much ahead yeah. of him so I mean yeah. he does look class but yeah until he does it in Spain consistently and gets 25-30 goals a season then you can really you can judge him but yeah it, it does warp everything in, in France when you're playing against San Etienne and Lorient mm. and Nantes and stuff like that. It's like, ugh, how good are these players? Well, we'll wrap that up there and we'll keep an eye on the transfers so you don't have to. We'll absorb everything from the back pages over the next couple of weeks and try and keep you in the loop with all the tastiest rumours involving your club. Make sure you've hit subscribe so you get the next podcast as soon as it's ready. Like I say, there's one week of us giving you podcasts every day and then we will pair it back slightly over the summer, but we'll still be here right the way through the close season, keeping up to date with everything going on in the Premier League. Niall, Marley, cheers, boys. Nice one, guys. Cheers, guys. We'll see you next time for Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.